Welcome to the Advance Born Global podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the non-profit organisation that shines a spotlight on the impact of outstanding global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet all 34 game changers recognised in the 2022 Global Australian Awards. These inspiring game changers generously share the story of their international career journey with us, the highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know these inspiring game changers. In this episode, we meet Kunapong Kururaksa, a 2022 game changer for his lifelong dedication to sustainability goals. Through his experience, he is able to show that sustainability cannot be separated from social impact nor economic outcomes. Joining me on this interview is Kathy Campbell, the producer of the Global Australian Awards. If you were addressing, let's say, a high school audience, how would you describe what you do and what your day-to-day looks like? So I lead the operation and strategy for a US nonprofit named the Circulate Initiative to solve ocean plastic pollution in Asia. So that's what I do. And my role particularly is to build efficient operation to help the team run and uh, do their work at their best. So tell us a little more about what the, what the operations include and what's happening on the ground there that you're overseeing. Definitely. So operation means processes, uh, infrastructure, uh, procedure for the organization to run efficiently, right? So I am responsible to help uh, improve, to make it efficient as we grow. So the operation as we grow, right, it's going to be a little bit messy sometime. And that's where my role really comes into to make sure that I keep it tight, lean as we grow. And on the ground, so the ground implementation is a little bit further away from from the operation that I'm talking about. But as a result of efficient operation, our team can work at the best ability, right? And that will in turn into preventing ocean plastic entering the ocean and improve the livelihood of informal waste workers. When you were studying at UNSW and maybe even in high school and, and, and thinking about what you might do, did you ever think you would end up doing this kind of role? Uh, not this particular role and area like ocean plastic. I didn't really have uh, a goal to do this. But if you ask me if I want to solve the world's toughest sustainability issues, yes, it always has been my goal. And I want to share a little bit story. I remember uh, it was 15 years ago when I was thinking what I want to do and what I want to study for my master's degree. And that was the time was like when climate change, environmental and sustainability issues were not even in people's mind or even in the TV, right? Television or, or social media. Uh, but as I grew up in both Australia and in Thailand, I experienced firsthand both like water, extreme severe water situation, which is like drought and, and flood. 
and I wanted to be part of the solution. That's why I chose to do water engineering at the University of New South Wales. And after I graduated, I have been working in the sustainability uh, sector for ever since. And to be more specifically, uh, I combine what I learned during my undergrads in industrial chemistry right now as well uh, to solve the ocean plastic issue uh, together with the, the Circulate Initiative. And talk about um, the challenges and highlights in your role. What are some of the challenges and, and what are some of the highlights that you experience in, in your current role? First of all, I love facing and solving new challenges, right? And that is exactly the, the kind of things I, I face every single day is those ambiguity the environment that are unclear, I don't know the answers and I don't know what it is. Uh, and what I normally have to do is I need to improve the processes to make it more efficient for the team, right? And for example, uh, when I first joined the organization, it took us, let's say, uh, two or three days to pro produce like a report. But now, because we are very efficient, we can do it within a couple hours. So that's an example. And uh, so when I built this operation to be efficient and contribute to the strategy to help us accelerate our impact, and after I do that, that's when I can see the team work at the best, right? And that's satisfied for me. That's when I feel fun. Like when I see my team can do their best, that's exactly why I'm here to help run the operation. And I think the last thing I want to say is, once my team can do their best at work, right, can show at work at their best, do what they love to do, this will eventually help increasing the impact that we have on the ground, meaning less plastic going to the environment and we improve people's lives. And that is definitely the highlight of my work, the impact that I see on the ground from the work we do. And you hadn't always worked in um, ocean in the area of ocean plastics. You'd worked on water sanitation previously, and you'd mm -hmm. worked in um, in other parts of Southeast Asia. Any highlights there that you'd like to share with us from from those years in previous roles? Definitely, I think my experience is always be on the ground, right and get to understand and learn new stories of the impact that we are making. And one thing that came to mind right now is a story about Sana, a, woman's, a woman named Sana. Uh, she's a mother of two living in Bogo, uh, Indonesia. And I'm talking about her story even though it's more than five years already. I remember I went to her house and she got a, a new toilet from the program that I built. And we were just talking and talking, and she told me this. My toilet is beautiful. So think about it. It's something so simple that I might, many people might take it for granted, but it stayed with me for so long. And that's why I do what I do, is to help improve people's lives. And Kunapong, uh, how do you think your upbringing as biculturally in Thailand and Australia has informed you as a as an executive now as someone running this organization and, and mm -hmm. doing what you do 
How do you think your upbringing has has in, helped inform that and, and how you approach challenges? First of all, there's no one size fit all solution. So what it means is that when we want to solve the world's toughest sustainability issue, right, we really need to understand and learn the local context. We can't just bring one solution, let's say from Australia to Indonesia. It doesn't normally work like that. And for me, from my upbringing in a multicultural environment, it really helped me uh, firsthand experience on the ground and understand what people really need and come up with a solution that is tailored to solve that particular solution. And I think the last thing is local uh, community engagement is critical, right? And oftentimes when uh, in international development sector, people come from different countries, let's say from the US or Australia, we talk differently. And the cultural uh, aspect of it is very cr crucial because their cultural sensitivity, uh, cultural understanding, and that's when my upbringing helps to help bridge the gap between you know, the Western uh, culture and also Asian countries, uh, culture together. And uh, I'm lucky to, to grow up in both countries to have that ability to, to really help communities solve their challenges. You've been working in this space, as you say, your, your entire career and in the sustainability space. What does it mean to you to be recognised as a finalist for this sustainability award as a global Australian? I am very humble to be recognized as a finalist for the Adv Global Advance Award. And I have been a member of, me of Advance over four years now and have seen so many people, so many amazing global Australians with rich experience being selected as finalists or winners, right? So for me, being selected as a finalist is just something beyond my expectation. Uh, for my career, I think this is uh, a further step into my career to help solve the challenge, right? Because the challenge is so big that myself, I can't solve it alone. And uh, by, being, uh, by being recognized, I hope that the recognition will inspire younger generation to come and help uh, tackle the challenge with me join my mission and we can really solve the world's toughest sustainability issues. You're not only inspiring younger Australians, but also really impressing upon decision makers in Australia the, the importance of what you're doing. If you had a message for them, what would it be? And um, how can, how can uh, people in positions of power support what you're doing around ocean plastic in, in uh, the Pacific, in, in Asia? There are two things I want to say. Number one, we can do this. We can solve the world's toughest sustainability issue. But we can do it only if we come together, right? It's not only about me. It's not all about you. It's everyone, especially the younger generation, right? So everyone uh, should come together and number two, policy makers is a key part of that, right? Because oftentimes to solve one of, uh, some of these issues, we need a shift of mindset, right? And oftentimes it takes years and years to change from 
let's say using single plastic uh, bags to uh, recyclable bag or, or even like paper bag, right? And the policy maker can pass some regulation that enforce and accelerate that timeline to be shorter. Like I said again, we can definitely solve this one and the policy makers can definitely help accelerate that time frame. Fantastic. And in thinking about um, that younger generation, if someone's mm -hmm. early in their career, thinking they'd like to work in the sustainability space, what advice would you have for them? I have two advice for them. Number one, explore their curiosity. And what it means is explore your interests, what you're curious about, and really go out and try. Because when you're still young, you can try things and you can take risks. Although you fail, there are always going to be lessons learned out of that particular experience that you can take for your career in the future. So that's number one. Number two is really understand your why, right? A lot of people now want to get into the sustainability uh, field or sector. But I would challenge them to understand why do you want to do work in this sustainability field? So really explore and understand the real why, why you do what you do, right? Like for example, for me, uh, a lot of people, we work to you know, make money to live, right? But that's not everything. For me particularly, I do what I do because I want to build a future that I want to see. And also I want to uh, have impact on the community to lift their, uh, to improve their livelihood and lift them out of poverty. So those are the two things I would uh, recommend young, younger generation to, to think about. Wonderful. Well, that's all my questions. Kathy. what about yourself? I do have a question and it's, it's based on the conversation, Kunapong, that mm -hmm. you and I had, you know, a few weeks back. And it was around um, social impact and sustainability. Mm -hmm. And you and I were saying, well, that was, that was the beginning of the conversation to say, it just seems to me that you can't really have one without the other. The two go together. Mm -hmm. And then you said, which was so wise, but we also have a third pillar. It's finance. Do you, would you mind talking about that a little bit? Because I think when you talk about all coming together, they're, they're different sectors, but all for a, a common purpose, really. And I just found that so educational. And I think it would be lovely if we could um, include some of that as well. Sure. So, yes, there, there are a couple of pillars, right? When the work in sustainability, that number one is the environmental impact that we are aiming to, to have. The second one, once we have uh, achieved the environmental kind of benefits is the social impact, which is people, right? That's why we do everything to improve the quality of life uh, and, and livelihood. But the third pillar actually is the finance. And why I say finance is that we can do things by shifting the market, right? So using finance for good, that's, that's how I would call it. Or some people, they call it impact investing. And what it means is we use the capital or investment in the places or areas that we want to aim to produce both environmental and, and social impact. And over the past decade or even longer than that, we have not done that. We always look for financial return, right? And what it means is 
we harm the planet, we harm the society. But once we start shifting that idea of using capital to to do good things or for good causes, that's when change is when it's going to happen, right? And for me personally, I look forward to a day that impact investing becoming like a norm. So meaning that people will not think about financial return anymore. Like go back to what I was mentioning about why people do what they do, right? It's not only about money, uh, but it's all it's about the impact that their money is contributing to or having as well. So. The, the three pillars actually cannot be separated, should be uh, combined and integrated at one, as one. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more on global Australian game changes over the last decade, please go to our website, advance.org.